0: Welcome to The Age Stage, a program that looks at issues and matters affecting older Australians made possible by Aftercare Australasia and Australian Unity. Welcome everyone, I'm Brendan Telfer, hope you're doing okay this Thursday morning. This week on The Age Stage, Alzheimer's
1: that people that will develop memory changes due to Alzheimer's disease, a great percentage of them also show sleep problems.
0: That's Dr. Leah Grinberg of the University of California, San Francisco, detailing her work on the tau protein, suggesting that early symptoms of Alzheimer's may be excessive daytime napping.
2: Hi, I'm Suzanne Russell. I'm from Australian Unity Aged Care, and I'm here on this week's Age Stage with Brendan.
0: Yes, and also this week we meet Suzanne Russell of Australian Unity. Australian Unity's impressive racecourse Grange and Peninsula Grange precinct opens to the public on September 7th. Suzanne details what is happening over there. Also this week, a free medicines app.
3: Three million people are caring for others and often it's unpaid care. So the more that we can do to help people manage medicines and manage health conditions, the, the better it will be for health outcomes for people.
0: More of that a little bit later on in the age stage. And also the role of grandparents in the modern Australian family.
4: We're trying to make grandparents more vocal and more politically active. So we we're not happy for them just to play these practical hands-on roles without also um, having their say in the public discourse about what's good for families.
0: And also this week, food and diet for the over 65s and the role of protein in that diet. We have a special report from our producer Cheryl Brody.
5: So long you have a good balanced diet with lots of vegetables, fruit, healthy fats, so that is avocado, nuts, things like that, and health carbohydrates, so those are the complex carbohydrates. So whole grain, whole uh, meal uh, breads, and things like that. You're likely to have a, a good health outcomes in um, when you're age 65 and
0: over. You're on the age stage, and you're on our double PFM. Welcome everyone. First up this week, there are nearly 50 billion people worldwide with dementia, and one of its most common forms, of course, is Alzheimer's. It's been under the microscope this week. and new research unlocks our understanding of the degenerative condition. It would seem that daytime fatigue and sleepiness could be the first signs that Alzheimer's is at work. Previously, it had been thought that sleepiness was associated with the nighttime disruptions of the conditions. But now it seems Alzheimer's is attacking the regions in the brain that control wakefulness, which in turn causes excessive daytime napping. What's more, work being done at the University of California, San Francisco, is revealing that it is a tau protein that's doing the early damage and perhaps not the previously identified amyloid protein. Researcher Dr. Leah Grinberg is Associate Professor of Neurology and Pathology at the University of California, San Francisco. She's been speaking with the BBC.
1: In Alzheimer's disease, tau proteins, for for instance, accumulate in an area called hippocampus which is an area that process recent memory. My lab show from some years now is that tau protein also accumulate in certain areas of the brain, in the brainstem that process other kind of functions like mood and sleep. And this actually comes even earlier or before this tau protein accumulates in the hippocampus. The work we are showing now, we decided to look for these tau changes in areas of the brain that control awakening, that keep us awake. So for us to be awake, we need certain areas of the brain to be working. If they are not working, people get comatose, they, they don't wake up. So these areas that control awakening, they get uh, affected by this tau accumulation even before the areas that control memory. We know from epidemiological studies, these studies that they follow a lot of people a long time, that people that will develop memory changes due to Alzheimer's disease, even before that, a great percentage of them also show sleep problems. And then they tend to come to sleep more during the day. Before, it was considered that it was a compensation of the bad sleep during the night. But with this work, we are showing that actually because of these areas that control awakening, they degenerate in Alzheimer's disease and degenerate earlier. Is not a, just a consequence of sleeping bad during the night, but it's a primary change caused by Alzheimer's disease. I would say that our results don't challenge what uh, is known now, but it adds. What we are showing is that there is a piece of uh, the story that happens even before that this problem of sleepness during the day, and it probably comes before the amyloid.
0: Researcher Dr. Leah Grinberg, Associate Professor of Neurology and Pathology at the University of California, San Francisco, speaking there on the BBC. As I was saying, there are nearly 50 million cases of dementia worldwide. The most common form, of course, is Alzheimer's. Growing consensus amongst researchers that Alzheimer's needs to be treated as early as possible and ideally before the onset of cognitive symptoms. And our thanks for the BBC for that report. When we come back on the Age Stage, Suzanne Russell, National Admissions Manager for Australian Unity, they're having a big open day on September 7th, and Suzanne gives us some insight into that day and also what Australian Unity is up to at the moment. The Racehorse Grange and Peninsula Grange precincts will be open on the 7th of September, and you are cordially invited. We'll find out more after the break. And this is the Age Stage on our double PFM great heavy company, Brendan Telfer, this Thursday morning with you, and alongside Suzanne Russell today, who is the National Admissions Manager for Australian Unity, we're up here at headquarters in Glen Waverley, Coleman's Parade. Suzanne, welcome to the program. A couple of big initiatives for Australian Unity coming up, and you're at the heart of it.
2: Thanks, Brendan. Look, we've got um, a really exciting event coming up on the 7th of September, which is our open day for the uh, Racecourse Grange and Peninsula Grange Precinct. So Racecourse Grange is our new aged care facility in the area. So we have 102 beautiful uh, new um, beds available in that space. And we're hoping to also show people our existing aged care facility called Peninsula Grange. Also 102 beds. And also the Retirement Village which is quite a bit larger and some lovely new apartments that have just recently been built there.
0: Well having been a visitor to these particular facilities, very very impressive and the standard and the production values that you put into these particular complexes is really I think probably setting the benchmark in the area.
2: Yeah, we have a really great group of architects uh, who are involved in that space. And the design, particularly uh, the one that I've been working with, is in Racecourse Grange. And the design of that building is really um, stunning. So, if you go in, it's got a lovely foyer. It's very unaged care or unnursing home. It's very, um, very attractive, but very welcoming and warm at the same time.
0: So, you're part of National Admissions. Are you sitting down with the group and pre-planning all this years in advance about what you want, the style you want, the brief that you're going to give your architects, given the brief that Australian Unity is probably giving you? How do you balance all these different inputs?
2: Look, I haven't been involved uh, at that level because I've been with the company a couple of years and been in the admissions space here um, across the, the national market probably just for the last year. Uh, But there's certainly, these things are planned years out. We are now um, developing, in particularly the aged care, we seem to have a bit of a format that works for us. A lot of our buildings are now repeating the same type of format, which was in households. So each aged care facility, we are planning households of around 17 residents. And what that means is there's 17 rooms, attached to a group of um, communal spaces like a kitchen. So the kitchen therefore is at the centre of every household. So we have a lovely kitchen, a lounge room, a fireplace, a dining room with access to outside space. So we're never in a big, overwhelming mess hall. You're never with um, masses of people. So it's a very warm, comforting environment for people to live in.
0: I'm just wondering as well about uh, the baby boomers as they get older and trying to interpret uh, what their needs might be in this space as well. Some thought would have to go into that, surely.
2: Look, it does. And, I mean, the baby boomers are wanting um, much higher standards of furnishings. People are wanting to come in... Um, and be looked after and have things being really nice like they might have in their own home. Obviously, we need to uh, future plan a little bit as far as Wi-Fi services, Netflix on TVs, Foxtel, all those sorts of technologies as well. Um, So we need to make sure that that's available for for the residents. But it's really around uh, everybody wants a decent-sized room, a really attractive en suite, being able to manage... um, in, in some cases, people want to go into the kitchens and still be able to help themselves to to maybe cook something or tea and coffee. So it's very much more person-centered care. People have choices um, and it's very much around enablement rather than doing things to, or, to people rather than helping them to be as um, independent as is suitable for them.
0: And within the precincts as well, you're providing backup services as well. So if I do have a, a medical or a health issue, it's not too far away
2: look that's correct so in the retirement villages you're very that is independent living but very much has access to um, home services and other supports there so you can be independent in the retirement living but still access the, the supports you need and that might be things like cleaning it might be like uh, food um, someone from nursing to come in and help with medication so the sort of things that you might access at home you can also access in retirement living in aged care It's 24-hour nursing and everything available on site.
0: There's been a lot in the area, of course. We've heard about a Royal Commission and so on, which has been going on for some time now. I guess it must be of some solace... Uh, to your people that uh, are taking up your options with Australian Unity that they have that integrity of your organisation to calm them perhaps and assuage some of the nervousness that they might have about the Royal Commission and what it's finding.
2: Look we've been very involved with the Royal Commission right from the start and we've been uh, very involved in giving Information and providing case studies and all that sort of thing to them. That's something that our facility managers um, got very involved with early on. We actually welcome the Royal Commission. We're very into making sure that our standards are high and that people are looked after in the best way possible. And if there's areas that need improving, let's fix them.
0: Yes, it seems to be uh, probably giving everybody a lot of peace of mind, I would suggest. There probably seem to be some other operators in the area that are probably having the blowtorch applied. And I'm sure that in the space that you're at, you're probably being able to reassure those that are taking up Australian unity options. Now, talking about taking up Australian Un- unity options, um, you're in national admissions. How are you convincing me, this sort of fun-loving, gregarious, baby boomer, stroke <laughs> hippie, Um, that I need to come in and live in this style of living where I've probably been very independent and uh, wanting to sort of ride the Harley at the weekends and stuff like that. (laughs) What, what, What conversation would you be having with me?
2: Look, aged care, if we're talking about aged care as opposed to retirement living, aged care really is suitable for people who do have some needs and do have a need of assistance with some things. So we're not going to be encouraging you to come into aged care if you are fully independent. But what you do have in aged care is you have the right to choose. So there is a new aged care charter of rights and it's very much, again, person-centred. So you can now have more choice in deciding how you would like to be cared for and how you would like to live your life. So even if you choose to go out in your Harley and we might not think that's the best thing and the safest thing for you to do, you still have the right to choose those things and we might put in writing that we recommend that you don't do that and you might say, I understand that, but I still want to do it anyway.
0: And disturb the neighbours as I start it up every morning (laughs) and fly it. So it's going to come down then to staff and personnel. Probably is going to make a huge contribution to the way I'm thinking about what you are offering me. What sort of standards do you insist on and what sort of staffing levels does Australian Unity want?
2: Look, we have a really uh, high staffing um, care model. We call it Better Together Plus, which is part of what we are trying to uh, set ourselves apart from a lot of the other operators. So Better Together is a way we can be better together. So we can support someone who comes in if they're lower care right the way through until a high care or even palliative so that someone can come in and do things that are appropriate for them. As I said, you know, in our kitchen, if they want to use that, if they can do that themselves, that's great. If they want some help, we'll help them. If they need to be served, we'll serve them. Now, our our staff ratio, we try to have it about one to six. So that means for every six residents, they'll have one carer. And the beauty of our model is that they are a dedicated carer. So someone will be on a set roster with a set six residents. That is the plan. Um, And that means that that particular carer will get to know their six residents really well. We'll know if they are suddenly quiet where they're normally gregarious. We will know if, if things are changing for them. So it helps us to pick up any changes quite quickly, which means we can get on to getting them the attention and care that they need.
0: We're speaking to Suzanne Russell, who is national admissions uh, manager down here for Australian Unity. Got a couple of big days coming up. The first of them on uh, September seventh. It's an open day at the Racecourse Grange Aged Care and Retirement Living Apartment Complex. Suzanne, a bit of pressure on you uh, organising it. Are you putting up the red carpet, of course. You're welcoming people from what the Greater Mornington Peninsula area, or is this a national initiative? Uh, how are you? How are you selling it?
2: Look, this is this is much more local um, because we're wanting people to come locally and see what is on offer and hopefully they'll see what a fantastic space it is and recommend it to the people that in, in their lives that they might think it's appropriate for. We know that it's a beautiful space, so all we need, need is for people to come in and see it and we know that they'll be bowled over by how it looks. But the other thing we've already got in that space is Peninsula Grange, which is our existing aged care um, Uh, site. Now that runs at 100% occupancy all the time so it's in high demand. Now that means that our reputation in the area is fantastic. Um, and we are a highly sought-after space now. The manager, the general manager in that space is across both sites, so she will be making sure that the same very high standard of care continues right the way through. And I'm certainly um, not just responsible for this as a whole, we have a whole a team in sales and marketing who are working through this as well as our operations.
0: So tell me about the Australian Unity model. It's, it's a national model, and here of course, we specifically see it down here on the Mornington Peninsula. Why the Mornington Peninsula?
2: Look, we branched into the Mornington Peninsula with our Peninsula Grange uh, aged care facility, and of course we have the retirement living there as well. It seemed to be an area that was um, lacking when we went into that space. We, it has been so highly successful, and we already had the land there where we decided to build and build the second facility because it's been so highly sought after. There are, of course, other now providers who have have come into the market, but we are hoping that people will see that we are offering such a high standard uh, of not just um, uh, aesthetics and building an environment, but care that they will choose to come to us.
0: It certainly looks a very impressive uh, compound and I'm sure it's pretty jaw-dropping for many of us that drive past and uh, do check it out and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of interest uh, down around Mornington and the greater Mornington Peninsula to come by and say hello. Um, so what is the process? The doors will just be flung open and we all just sort of fly in on September the 7th? What's going on?
2: <laughs> Look, it will, be, it will be fairly carefully managed. We'll help people with parking. So it's between 10 and 2 um, on that Saturday the 7th so where people can come down any time in that period we will have food and drinks available we'll have people to help with um, directing parking parking so that people can see uh, where best to go there will be um, people taking tours in each of those areas so yes the doors will be flung open but we we do have existing residents there so we need to be very careful not to be impacting on them
0: so we're looking forward to that very much now just before we let you go i want to just talk about the sort of the the financial packages so i'm thinking about say retirement and i need to start thinking about some of the options that you have for me you have financial planners down there on that day that i can have a bit of a natter to. you can run some numbers for me and you can give me a sense of what uh, you might require in terms of my investment? Yes,
2: we absolutely do have, so we certainly will have financial advisors down there, and I guess if you need to have a more in-depth conversation, then they'll be making an appointment with you. But we have um, a lot of knowledge available down there, so we will be having people from um, that can chat about home care, we'll have people who can chat about other in-home supports, we'll have people who can chat about the retirement village, the new apartments, what sort of cost is involved and the same goes with aged care, we, we can chat with you about what cost is involved about with aged care and also what sort of paperwork and procedures need to be in place so that people can plan effectively and not um, be caught out just in a, a situation where it's suddenly an emergency.
0: Yeah, we certainly don't want that. So you'd be encouraging the whole families to come down, maybe have a conversation with mum and dad and grandpa and grandma?
2: Absolutely, so you know, don't be afraid to bring children down. There's, there's uh, play equipment there as well um, and there'll be food available. But look, it's a really, it's, it's a lovely environment. So it's not a confronting environment. So it's quite suitable for all members of the family to come down. And it, it is, um, it, it's a really good thing for whole families to discuss so that we're all involved in choosing our future and, and what is best for us should we have that need.
0: Suzanne Russell, National Admissions Manager for Australian Unity, that open day again on September 7th, so a wonderful opportunity to check out the impressive Racecourse Grange and Peninsula Grange facilities. Australian Unity, of course, is one of our very dear sponsors here at RPPFM. When we come back, Anne McLeish, Director of Grandparents Victoria and Grandparents Australia and the pivotal role that grandparents are playing in the modern Australian family. The question is, is there enough acknowledgement?
1: Hi, this is Sigrid Thornton speaking. I love listening to the radio and when I'm on the peninsula, I love listening to RWP FM.
0: Hope you're doing well and of course the program made possible by Aftercare Australasia and our new friends at Australian Unity. Well this last week I was quite intrigued to learn that in the United States they were celebrating National Grandparents Day and this goes all the way back to President Jimmy Carter when he gazetted a national day to acknowledge grandparents. I noticed that in Queensland there's a grandparents day as well. Not so down here in Victoria. And there's probably some pretty good reasoning behind that. So I thought that I'd speak to the director of Grandparents Victoria and Grandparents Australia, Anne McLeish, who's on the line. Hello, good morning, and Welcome to The Age Stage
4: and thank you. Glad to be having a
0: chat with you. Wonderful, Anne. So I'm I'm curious, in the United States, they go hard out on Grandparents' Day. The Forget-Me-Not is the national grandparents' flower, and there's a song that they roll out as well. Up in Queensland, they're into it. But you have some pretty strong and, and firm views about why we shouldn't be just celebrating grandparents. Well, it's not. Want to celebrate grandparents, but we want to
4: celebrate grandparents in the context of family. So, grandparents in Victoria and other states up until now have decided to um, celebrate grandparents within the context of National Families Week. During that week, we have all sorts of activities about around grandparents. The other thought that we had was that we don't want Grandparents Day to turn into a a commercial exercise, which is what it has happened in America, where it's just related to buying a card and sending it off. We want the relationships between grandparents and other generations in in the families to be much more proactive than, than that and to be celebrated regularly differently according to the family
0: culture so that would be speaking then to the new role i guess that ga- grandparents are playing in extended families in this country would that be right that's exactly
4: the point point. and the role of grandparents is much more complex than it has been in any time in the past i would venture to say but it's also very different according to the family needs so families um place grandparents it, at the center or at the sides of their activities according to their needs and to their particular culture. But whatever the the shape of the relationships across generations in families are, we're finding that grandparents are playing a much more pivotal role.
0: So what about um, the law and the role that grandparents are playing uh, here at the station and within the age stage we've come across some rather harrowing examples of grandparents looking after grandkids and all of a sudden they're being slighted and they're being kept out of configuring family arrangements after rather messy separations. What rights, what legal rights do grandparents have, and are you addressing that, Anne?
4: We are, and you've just um, described two different circumstances at the either end of the spectrum. On the, at one end of the spectrum, we have the grandparents who are raising some of their grandchildren 24-7 because their children have been removed from the parents. They have a range of rights, depending on whether they get the children through the federal or the state court and depending on what their relationship with their state department is. But their rights are being clarified and codified and written down all the time. At the other end of the spectrum, you, decide, you describe grandparents who are denied access to their grandchildren because of that messy divorce or whatever. Their rights are not so well defined and their rights are only hinted at currently in the Federal Family Law Act where they are listed as stakeholders in the well-being of of children. But it doesn't go any further than that. And we do find that the rights of grandparents in those circumstances are often marginalised or not well understood by the court. I think there's much work to be done there and we have... Precedents set in other countries um, that, that could indicate the way. In France, for, for example, for some time, um, if you, uh, it's been the law that if a family wants to stop grandparents and grandchildren having a relationship, the parents have to describe why and substantiate the case.
0: I see. So it's a, it's a natural entitlement by the grandparents rather than the exclusion, which seems to be the natural way of things here in this country.
4: Yes, and it's um, what we don't do well at understanding yet that families are waking up to this is that, as well as providing practical help, the relationship between grandparents and grandchildren, that cross-generation relationship, is very, very powerful and has the, in, in many cases, particularly where teenage children get to be a bit troubled those grandparents can have positive influences in ways that parents can't. Now, we're
0: starting to document these sorts of benefits. Yes, it is definitely a shift and a change from the 60s and 70s, you know, the heralded nuclear family, the parents and the two kids, and uh, pretty much that was it. But it would seem that we seem to be reimagining or getting into a position where the extended family plays a much more pivotal role in the development and the aspiration of families.
4: I loved two words that you mentioned there. One was um, uh, the aspirations of families and the other one, Nick, was that we need to reimagine families. We are already reshaping families, but politicians and the others haven't woken up to that and so we need to continue reimagining them and we we need to get the politicians and other decision makers understanding our imaginings and, and visualising them. And um, we need um, a lot of work done in, um, in acknowledging that whole families across generations have aspirations for their children and that it's not just about getting a job. Their aspirations are much richer than
3: that.
0: They are indeed. And I'm thinking here more about maybe some of the other examples. I mean, examples from Asia and, say, Polynesia, where basically the role of the grandparent is enshrined in the expectation of everybody in a family. The matriarch of the family is is a prized role. The grandmother in some of these communities, the grandfather, they're revered. Um, They're not put away in residential accommodation or they're not tapped up as a a bank. Uh, They're basically performing a role and a function that is absolutely pivotal to the expression of that culture. Yes, it's a
4: very different uh, cultural attitude to older generations. Whether they're grandparents or not, it's it's an attitude to old people. It is very different to the Western society.
0: Is it changing, Anne?
4: I think so, um, and I think that one of the pressures is um, economic pressures where uh, you're finding, I think, a small trend, but nevertheless a trend where we've got cross-generations living together now. Um, so it's changing as a result of some economic pressures. How happy those arrangements are, we, we don't know. But um, it's starting to change, and I think that there is, through childcare which is another economic pressure, I think that families are having a deep-seated appreciation of the childcare that grandparents provide, particularly while some parents work. So, you know, forty over 40%, of childcare while parents go to work is provided by grandparents across Australia. Now that's an astounding figure.
0: It's an extraordinary figure and must be worth a hell of a lot of money as well in just pure money. politicians know how much they're saving by leaving this
4: alone. They don't want the lid opened on this because they know how much they're saving. They're saving a build-up of pressure about the appalling provision of childcare across this country. on the other hand, families are deeply appreciative and they know that if the grandparents weren't looking after these wee babies in particular, they wouldn't be able to, um, go, to go to work. And the trend now is that you need two breadwinners um,
5: working for families to financially
0: survive. So you're optimistic about the future, Anne. You like the notion of the grandparent playing a, a bigger, more pivotal role in families going forward?
4: Particularly optimistic about it, um, given that at the same time as they're doing that, we're trying to make grandparents more vocal and more politically active. So we do, we're not happy for them just to play these practical, hands-on roles without also um, having their say in the public discourse about what's good for families. They can't keep providing childcare at this rate. For example, it's not just not sustainable. So while they're providing the child care, we encourage them to also demand better child care for all families.
0: And I suppose also the other part of that equation would be the care of the grandparents when they get a little older as well and they need some assistance.
4: Well, indeed. But we haven't got into that yet. We've got our, our hands and our minds full just uh, trying to talk about the grandparents' view of families. But
0: yes, that's a different issue for a different program it will be another day i'm sure anne mcleish well look thank you very much indeed so the bottom line is no grandparents day here in victoria rather your energy spent on involving the grandparent in the greater expression and the imagining of the new family in australia correct anne mcleish director of grandparents victoria and grandparents australia when we come back the diet of the over 65s What's going to help your health? Age stage producer Cheryl Brody with a special report, and in particular, the role that protein plays or should be playing in your diet.
6: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Age Stage. I hope you're having a a fantastic morning. This is Cheryl Brody, the guest reporter. Today, I have with me Rosaline Riberio. She's a postdoctoral research fellow with the School of Life and Environmental Sciences at the University of Sydney. Welcome to the show, Rosaline. Thank you for having me, Cheryl. It's my pleasure to be here. So today we're talking about your research, Rosaline. Can you tell me a little bit about it, please?
5: Okay, um, so Cheryl, I'm really passionate about uh, health uh, and aging. So given that I'm a dietitian, nutrition is my my way of um, my way of improving health in older age. Um, so yeah, most of my research will look at improving uh, health outcomes in older age. So we look at cognition, physical conditioning, prevention of um, disability, cardiometabolic health disease and mental health in older age.
6: So how did this come about? How did you become interested?
5: Yeah, so I, I worked with a, 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 a range of people um, people both uh, back in brazil where i come from and also here in australia in the last 12 years and i noticed that there was a lot of research and a lot of interest in you know in adult uh, and child um, or children health and nutrition but there wasn't much being done in a you know for people aged 65 and over and i noticed that those were the people who were uh, spending a lot of time in hospital and having health conditions chronic health issues so I thought, why why are we not looking at the health and nutrition of um, this group? So that's how I got interested in nutrition and, and, and healthy aging.
6: Excellent, okay. And can you tell me about your findings of the research?
5: Yeah, so uh, first uh, I worked in Concord where I looked at the health and nutrition of over 800 men, um, aged 75 and over. And what I noticed was that, um, yeah, nutrition does play a huge role when it comes to their their health, I noticed that those that had a a poor nutrition were more likely to have healthy issues such as cardiometabolic um, diseases and things like that. So that that kind of gave me an idea of what was going on because it was a huge um, study. Then I moved on to uh, this job that I have now where we do intervention um, clinical trials. And um, we've been looking at macronutrient or protein, carbohydrate, and fat, and how that plays a role in um, improving the health um, in older age. So okay. that's what I've been working on lately.
6: Okay, excellent. And, and uh, has the research shown any uh, findings that you would like to? Yeah.
5: yeah, absolutely. So what we're interested in was to firstly look at uh, source of protein, so plants versus animal, and then also look at other macronutrients. So um, whether high carbohydrate diet was superior to a high fat diet. So we did a few comparisons and what we found was that so long you have a good balanced diet with lots of vegetables fruit healthy fats so that is avocado nuts things like that and health carbohydrates so those are the complex carbohydrates so whole grain whole uh, meal uh, breads and things like that you're likely to have a, a good health outcome in, um, when you're age 65 and over
6: Okay. Is there an ideal menu that you would like to suggest to our listeners?
5: Yeah. So I think, again, our balance is the, is the, the, key, the key word here and the key concept that I like to, to always cover. So a good breakfast would be something like, you know, some cereal with some milk, some nuts and maybe a piece of fruit. Or maybe you would want to have a porridge in a cold day like today. You would have a porridge with some milk and maybe a piece of fruit as well. If in the cold days, then maybe you want just have a fruit salad with some yogurt and that you have a little bit of protein and also some um, carbohydrates and fats there for you as well.
6: Okay. And perhaps lunch?
5: Lunch, you could have, if you're someone who likes to have a light lunch, you could have a salad with lots of vegetables and some lean meat. Or if you're into something more plant-based, you could have some tofu or quinoa mixed in your salad. You could also make a sandwich with all those ingredients, and um, that would be a good lunch.
6: Okay, excellent. Um, and how about dinner?
5: Uh, dinner, again, if you like to have a hot meal at dinner, you could have a stew with lots of vegetables again, maybe some beans or some um, um, quinoa or a salad if you want something lighter. You could have a cheesy omelette with some, um, you know, some something on the side, some vegetables, roasted vegetables or something like that. But again, like I said, it's a mix of everything, so lots of vegetables, a little bit of protein and a little bit of carbohydrate to keep you going. Maybe for dessert or for a snack, you can have some uh, yogurt or some nuts. Some people like to have some pieces of vegetables and maybe a little bit of cheese after dinner, so that could be also something to to think about, yeah.
6: Okay. Are the- are there um, any uh, references that you can make for people to to look up more information? Absolutely. So in terms of
5: protein, how much protein we should be having, uh, it's about 0.8 grams per kilo of body weight. So if you weigh, say, 50 kilos, um, you would be looking at around 50 grams or less of protein. Now, if you're older, if you're 65 and older, you can be aiming for one gram of protein per kilo of body weight um, and a good place to find information about what we've been talking about is either the DAA website, so Dietitian Australia's Association. Uh, you could also look at the NHMRC website where all this information is also available. And then finally, you could look at um, Health uh, Better Health Channel from Victoria, which also gives you a good summary on nutrition and health aging.
6: Okay, excellent. And perhaps um, people could reach out to a nutritionalist locally as well?
5: Absolutely. Like I said, so the DAA website is the best place to look for an accredited practice dietitian, so APP, so that you could have, uh, find someone locally and you can go have a chat with a dietitian near you.
0: Cheryl Brody there, speaking with Rosalind Robiro, a postdoctoral research fellow at the University of Sydney. This is The Age Stage this Thursday morning on RPPFM. And when we come back, a free medicine app to download onto your phone so you will never forget when to take your medication. This is The Age Stage on RPPFM. Hi, everyone. I'm Brendan Telfer. Welcome to the program. Great to have your company. Taking medicines can be complicated, especially... If you're on a big-time regime of medication dosages, dosage times, frequency, when to reorder, with or without meals, you get the drift. So, there's a new app that's uh, just been released which can solve all this. And to tell us more is pharmacist Narita Pakin of MPS Medicine Wise. Narita, welcome to the Age Age. How does your new medicine app work? Yes,
3: there's an, an, an app called the Medicine Wise app that can be downloaded onto your smartphone. And it helps you keep track of your medicines, And you can store a list of your medicines. You can also store a list of medicines for other people that you're caring for.
0: Because this can get quite complex at times. Even a a single patient can be on multiple medicines. And so being able to keep track of them, I guess, is a fantastic initiative.
3: Yes, when people are taking one or more medicines, and especially if you're taking more than five medicines, It can be quite difficult to remember when to take them. So keeping a medicine list is a really great idea. And the app is a way to keep a digital medicine list. And you can then also share that list with your doctor or pharmacist or other family members. So moving to a a digital app is is a new way to store your medicines.
0: And so how am I downloading this information into the app?
3: Okay, you go to um, your preferred app store on your smartphone and you download the app and then it sits on your phone and then you can uh, add in your medicine, either by scanning the barcode on the medicine pack or by typing in the medicine name and then you add details about when the doses are due. Uh, And there's other things you can record like medical conditions your health professional contact details and other allergies that you might have.
0: Great, I like the idea of scanning it in because otherwise I think I'd probably be typing all day long with the names of some of the medicines that I might have to be uh, prescribing to myself and or others.
3: It is a good way that you can scan, if you can scan it in, you know you're getting the right medicine at the right strength and you know that it's quite accurate in that way.
0: And can I share this with my uh, healthcare professionals? I mean, can I show them the app or can they access the app if I need to open it up?
3: When you go into the app, you can actually click uh, to share your medicine list. Um, And then that sends it as an email, maybe to your doctor or pharmacist or other family members. So it's quite an easy way to share the complete list of the medicines that you might be taking.
0: And once I've loaded that regime of medicines into the app, is it going to alert me that I have a particular medication that I should be taking at a particular time of the day or particular hour?
3: Yes, that's right. You'll get reminders when your dose is due. You'll get a small sound on your phone to remind you that the medicine is due. And you can also look at reports for when you might have missed medicine. So if you can't remember whether you've, how many times you've taken it over the last week, you can look in at some, some reports to how often you've been taking it. And with this app, you can also, as well as loading your own medicines, you can um, load a list of medicines for anyone else that you're caring for. So it might be a parent or a family member or a child. So you can have multiple lists for multiple people. And uh, that's really the new feature that we've got at the moment.
0: And what about the functionality of the app? Um, does it interface with other smart technologies? So can it automatically order from my local pharmacy requirements that I might need to stock up on? Or is it keeping tabs on uh, the level of medicines that I have in the cabinet at home? Um, the
3: Medicine MedicineWise app doesn't um, connect to your pharmacy regarding repeat renewals. It really just keeps a list of your medicines. You can schedule appointments and make sure doses are not missed. But you could then contact your pharmacy when you notice that your medicines are running low.
0: Indeed. So even you know for some of the more elderly patients that are requiring you know a number of medications, this is obviously going to simplify matters uh, quite a lot because it can get quite complex.
3: It can get quite complex. So older people are often managing with um, several medical conditions. They might take a number of medicines. So this really helps to put all the medicines that a person might be taking in one place. And then if you share it with your doctor or pharmacist, uh, they can then check for any interaction or if you're having any side effects, they can look at your medicine list in a complete form. So it's a useful way that you can share medicines you might be taking. And you can also put down over-the-counter medicines or complementary medicines that you might be taking.
0: What about other functionality with the app? Can I load in, say, my blood pressure readings or heart rate?
3: Uh, You can load in your blood pressure readings, your body weight, and even your blood sugar levels if you're diabetic. And then you can either share this with your doctor or just keep track, either for yourself or for someone else. You can keep track of those results.
0: This sounds like a sensational development, Nerida. must make life very easy, particularly I'm thinking in the domestic situation, as I say, where in some instances things can get quite complex in terms of medications and and their requirements. But what about the application in the professional healthcare area? I guess it would have serious application there as well.
3: It has got an application for um, professional healthcare workers. might be caring for a number of people in the community. So they can have um, the app loaded for each of the people that they care for. They can have multiple lists. So it can make it easy for healthcare professionals working in the community as well.
0: And for those of us at home in the domestic situation, of course, and there's, what, nearly 3 million Australians who are carers in some form or other at the moment, this must be a great relief and give them some peace of mind, I guess.
3: Yes, that's right. Around 3 million people are caring for others, and often it's unpaid care. So the more that we can do to help people manage medicines and manage health conditions, the the better it will be for health outcomes for people.
0: And this is a free app. I can download it off an app store.
3: Yes, that's right. It is a free app.
0: So who is being so generous as to create such an app and give it away for free?
3: NPS Medicine Wise. we're an independent organisation. We are funded by the Department of Health. So part of our
0: funding has gone towards um, promoting this app, which helps to improve the quality
3: use of the medicine for the community. So our taxes at work, Nerida. I guess
0: so. Yes. I'm loving that, Nerida. Thank you very much indeed. Fascinating.
3: It's great to talk to you,
0: Nerida Packian of NPS Medicine Wise. Nerida, wrapping up this week's edition of the Age Stage, and that is just about it for this week's edition of the program. Thank you very much indeed to our sponsors, Aftercare Australasia and Australian Unity. And, of course, our producer, Cheryl Brody. Our guests as well from Australian Unity. We had uh, Suzanne Russell joining us. Don't forget, Australian Unity having that big open day on September 7th. A wonderful opportunity to check out their impressive Racecourse Grange and Peninsula Grange facilities down here in Monnington. A beautiful day to come on down and say hi to us all here as well. Can we thank the BBC for that latest report out of San Francisco on the tau protein and its impact on sufferers of Alzheimer's disease? And also we were joined by Anne McLeese, Director of Grandparents Victoria and Grandparents Australia as well. We thank you very much indeed for your time. Thank you very much indeed for your time. I'm Brendan Telfer. Have a peaceful and happy week. We'll be back same time next week.